Hello, lovelies. Welcome to Lessons from the Universe with Jennifer Hall. In this podcast, you will find that there is no topic off limits and that we talk about just about everything that might be on your mind when it comes to knowing yourself, growing yourself, and the entire process of spiritual awakening. You will hear lots of laughter and hopefully join in, and you will hear the occasional four-letter word. You will definitely hear some inspiration, and occasionally you might even get your ass kicked. Come hang out and see what it's all about. Let's do this. Hello, beloved. I have so much on my mind today. So many things. I don't even know where to start. What have we talked about? What do I want to talk about? What feels relevant? What feels important today? So many things. I want to tell you that we have to recognize first and foremost that the enemy to clarity is impatience. The enemy of clarity is impatience. We've got to be patient. We have to be patient with ourselves, patient with each other, patient with the world. We need to be patient. All of my perfectionists out there, be perfectly patient. Okay, give yourself a break. Release control. Give the world a break. Give your partner a break. Give your children a break. Give your your dog a break. We all need to give each other just a little time and a little space to get to know ourselves so that we can reflect who we truly are and what we truly want. Sometimes patience means space. Sometimes it means letting people go. Sometimes it means just sitting back and smiling and watching as they figure it all out. I guess perhaps that's the definition of parenthood, right? I mean, if we, if we really try, we can be patient. We can watch the unfolding of these people. We can do that with our partners and we should do that with ourselves. We need to practice grace beloved. I don't know if we've talked about grace before. I'm sure we have in different ways, but I have come to decide that there is a definition of grace that the universe would like for us to hold, and I believe it is this. Grace is being unaffected by other people's lack of self-mastery. Being unaffected by other people's lack of self-mastery. Somebody could be having a bad day. (laughs) Somebody may not know the truth. Someone may not be able to handle their jealousy, their insecurity, their whatever it happens to be, their full bucket full of life and all the things that happened today, this week, this month, this lifetime. Sometimes people just need a minute and we don't have to be affected by their lack of self-mastery. That's not important. We have to remember that it is our job to put that through a filter. The filter of truth, right? I've decided that there are three categories, three things, three elements that keep us from our joy, from our peace of mind. And we can use this when evaluating ourselves, when we're thinking, what the hell is wrong with me today, right? Or when we're looking at our partner, our friend, our coworker, and thinking, why is it that all they seem to want to do is fight? Disagree. Lament. We should start with the simplest filter, the physical. That physical body. 
those of you that are parents, when you have little bitty ones and they seem grumpy, what's like the very first thing that we do other than make sure that they're clean and all the things, right? We offer them a snack. We think, oh, they could be hungry. Beloved, that is all of us, <laughs> right? Maybe you're hungry. Maybe you're thirsty. Maybe you didn't get enough sleep. Maybe it's your hormonal phase of the month. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you drank too much coffee or not enough. Sometimes that thing keeping you from peace is simply just a physical element. And a lot of times you can knock over the wall of discontent just by filling in that physical need. If that is not enough to break the mortar out between the blocks, check in with control. Am I being a control freak? Is that what's going on? What am I trying to control? Is it necessary that I control it? Who am I trying to control and why? Or is someone trying to control me or am I assuming that they are? Control is something that is <sighs> universal. It's one of the things that we think we're doing to keep ourselves safe. Most of the time when you point out control to yourself or to others, the argument, the disease just ceases. It was not that long ago that I told my husband, you don't need to control this and you don't get to control me. It was like a bomb of silence in our home. He got quiet. About an hour later, he apologized, <laughs> which is lovely, <laughs> okay? We don't need to control other people. We don't need to control every situation. Things don't have to be our way. And sometimes we just need to say to whoever it happens to be, you know what, it's fine. I'm feeling the desire to control this, but I don't actually need to. Let me deal with that feeling while you do whatever it is that you were doing. It's okay. Often. Just recognizing that control is an element and is unnecessary. We can just knock over that wall of discontent. The last one is insecurity. That usually hits people real hard, real deep. When you realize I'm just being insecure and I'm seeking validation outside of myself. And sometimes it's just not fair. I found myself in that spot just a few days ago. I was battling within myself, even though I knew that we were making all the right decisions about the decisions that we are making for our family through the COVID of it all, my kids' school, all the things. And I found myself really wanting to seek validation from my children that they wouldn't look back at this moment someday and think we should have handled it differently. Fortunately, I caught myself before I even started really realizing deeply that it was unfair to seek that validation from my children. It's really unfair to seek it from anyone. <laughs> you know, all we can do is the best we can do. We have to trust that deeply. We need to validate ourselves. In that instance, it was, I know I am doing what feels right, what the universe is telling me to do for me and for my family. And this is good and perfect. Whatever's on the other side is meant to be, and we'll move through that too. Sometimes the other person is being insecure. 
And then we sort of have to flip this thing over because when we're the ones being insecure and we're aware of it, it's our job to deal with ourselves. But if we're dealing with someone else that we're trying to communicate with, sometimes we have to manage their insecurity for them, right? We have to pet them, as I say, to word things in a way that keeps them from diving deeper into insecurity. Or perhaps we need to compliment them or praise them. Now, there are times when this is actually quite toxic, right? If you have someone in your life who is constantly seeking validation, constantly seeking confirmation, you're actually hurting them if you give it to them all the time. They will never build that inner reliance, and that is necessary. That seems to be particularly difficult when it comes to someone we love deeply, our very immediate family. Sometimes it is incredibly hard not to want to make them feel safe or better. You really have to weigh when you should and when you should let them recognize that that uncomfortable feeling will rise to a peak and then will subside. It will go away. Anxieties, right? Insecurities. They don't last forever. Just today I heard someone say, um, joy was a good example. She was actually talking to uh, my son, and she said to him, think about some time that you were super excited, just elated, ecstatic about something, and it was so high, and it felt so good, and then it came back down. It didn't stay up there at 100. She said anxiety and stress are the exact same thing. So wise. I've always described, you know, emotions like odors in the room. An odor comes and sometimes it's really, really foul or strong and then it passes. But I like this idea of this crescendo when you think about excitement and how then it fades. It's a reminder that every other intense emotion will fade as well. And that's a good thing to remember when you're having a hard time. What to do when we're having a hard time. Maybe that's the title for today. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I spend a lot of time talking to people. And sometimes I hear myself and I think, man, if I was only recording that, I would really like a lot of people to, <laughs> to hear that. And I can't do that. I mean, I could, but I won't. And so I have to think about what is valuable today, what feels like it has built up. What has been my theme? One of those things has been equity. I think this is something else to think about when you're having a hard time. Because a lot of times when we're having a hard time, what's really going on is we're looking around us and we're deciding that things are not fair, right? That we are doing more than we should or someone else maybe is doing more than they should. And we start to think about equality in a way that becomes quite toxic. Equality can really be a failure when you think about that everybody's 100% is supposedly the same. I mean, if you think about equality in a relationship, you're thinking 100%, 100%, right? People say 50, 50, but it really is 100, 100. The problem is, is those 100% have different sizes and they're not always equal on any given day. We have to have equity. We have to recognize what other people are going through, what other people are capable of, and we make compensations there. And that's what makes us work like a team. That's why I often tell people, 
when they're thinking about the kind of partner that they wanted, to think of it like a business in a way, right? Where can we work together and how will we help each other? I saw a picture, a cartoon, not long ago about equity. And I think it's a very perfect example. So it's three little kids standing outside a baseball game and none of the three can see the game. Someone comes along and they give them each a box. They give them the exact same box, exact same size, exact same box. And now one child can see over the fence, but still the other two cannot. In the next scene, someone has given each of them a different size box. One has a very large box, one has a very small box, and one has the in-between, you know, three bears. <laughs> But all three of them can see over the fence. All three of them can see the baseball game. Equity. Sometimes in a relationship that looks like giving each other a heads up, right? It's reminding my husband when he's out of town for work, you know, make sure you call just to talk to the kids, not me and then the kids are sort of extra. Make sure you call just for them. That would be meaningful to them. That's providing this sort of equity within the relationship, helping him take that step up onto the box to be as present and valuable a parent as I am. Sometimes it's doing a little bit more just because you can. When one of my kids is ahead in their studies and all of the things, and they have the opportunity to maybe do a small chore for the other, that's equity, right? I have a little bit more time. I can do this thing for you. It doesn't hurt me. It's helpful. It's loving. Equity. Of course, there's the bigger topic to have equity in, you know, our, our world, our community, and all of those things. But that's not what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about when you're having a hard time, whether it's dealing with someone else or recognizing that the world is indeed fair, cause and effect. Right? It's all cause and effect. I mean, you may not like the cause or the effect, but it is innately fair. You plant an acorn, you get an acorn tree. You water the garden, it grows. You overwater it, it drowns. You don't water it at all, it dries up. You know, the key is that self-mastery. But how do we get there? Especially when other people around us maybe are not there, not trying to get there, or maybe it looks different for them. We're trying to give them grace. We're trying to be unaffected by their lack of self-mastery, but it really can be quite upsetting and disturbing and frustrating and sometimes even exhausting. How do we get there? We get there with right thinking. Now, y'all know I'm not intrinsically biblical, but one of the things that has been coming up again and again over the past few weeks as a reminder of how we get to that self-mastery is actually one of the things that Jesus said in his speech that we call the Beatitudes. Now, I like to look at these things both as literature and as history. We do then know <laughs> that Jesus was a dude. He actually existed and he actually did go around talking and giving speeches and occasionally flipping tables and all of the things. And one of the speeches that he gave, we call the Beatitudes. One of those Beatitudes is, 
Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Something like that. Now, I like to think here, okay, so we know that Jesus walked around and gave speeches. So let's work with the assumption this is actually a speech that he gave, where he lived, what he was, when it was, he had to have been speaking Aramaic. This is history. This is historically believed. Not biblically historically believed, like actual. Yes, they spoke Aramaic at that time. And if we look back at the words that were originally written, righteousness should have probably been right thinking. And even looking at the word righteousness, we could argue that it means right thinking. But it is most likely that what he was really saying was right thinking. So blessed are those who hunger and thirst for right thinking. Now, I like to go a step further and think about his audience. He told them if they hunger and thirst for right thinking, they will be filled. They will be blessed. Well, what were these people like? This was a time with no grocery stores, <laughs> no running water, right? All day, every day, they were thinking about food and water. How do I feed myself and my family? How do I find liquid for us to drink? There's always this underlying hunger and thirst. Now, this is, of course, intrinsically different than if all of a sudden, now in 2021, we were hungering and thirsting. <laughs> is that the right way to say it? I mean, we have grocery stores on every corner. We have water coming out of multiple taps in our house. If suddenly we were hungering and thirsting, this would be scary. This would be drama. But back then, it was not. It was just normal. It was an underlying current, an underlying thought all day, every day hunger and thirst. Look for food, look for water or wine or whatever it happened to be. So if we hold on to that desire for right thinking the same way they would have hungered and thirsted then, it will become an all-day, everyday seeking for right thinking in all situations at all times. Now, as always, I do recognize that I am blessed to get to have conversations like this with people multiple days of the week. And so I am at an unfair advantage that this is constantly being reminded to me. I get it. But what did I do before this was my job, my gig, <laughs> right before the universe led me here? I had sticky notes everywhere, you guys. I had reminders. I wrote it on my calendar. I made it my screensaver. Uh, we didn't carry around all these smartphones then, but... I would make it my screensaver. And so I have been walking around with these two things in my head, hunger and thirst for righteousness and grace, being unaffected by someone else's lack of self-mastery. And I will tell you that those two things have leveled me up. They've leveled me up. Not that I wasn't doing them on some level before. I'm sure you are as well. But when I have these moments rise up, when someone else's energy is off, right? Their words are off. Their attitude is off. Or if I'm, you know, tired, frustrated, whatever, I have this reminder of right thinking because I'm building it underneath everything I say and everything I do all day long. And I'm looking at the other person if they're trying to banter or to argue and I'm recognizing this is at some level a lack of self-mastery and it's not my job and I don't have to play. Don't have to play that with them. I don't have to get sucked in. It's not 
some black hole. That I'm also not just some random object just floating in space with nothing pulling on me. You don't want to be that. I am a planet in my orbit. Sometimes I'm closer to other planets and sometimes I'm farther away, but we are never entangled. We never collide. I am responsible for my orbit as you are for yours. And I hunger and thirst for right thinking. I recognize. When I say I, I mean you, I mean me, I mean all of us. Let's make this the goal, right? I want to know myself. What is this repeated cycle? What is this frustration, this irritation, this insecurity? And how do I fix it for myself? What am I trying to control that's not mine to control? And did I drink too much fucking coffee? <laughs> right? Physical control, insecurity. My kids, my, my kids, my kids actually spent about 45 minutes trying to find a loophole in my theory that all things fall into either or multiple physical control insecurity. They couldn't. Everything they threw at me fell into one or more of those categories. When you're honest with yourself, and when we have an attitude of self-seeking, right, of self-understanding, of awareness, it trickles down, it drips off onto everyone around us. Someone told me there was a quote in a, a movie uh, called Remember the Titans. I don't, I know I watched it. I don't even remember it, but I love the quote. It's attitude, <laughs> attitude reflects leadership. Attitude reflects leadership. The attitude of the people around you will reflect what you hold, will. In essence, we are all mirrors to each other. I like to call it karmic reflection. We reflect one another. If you're holding on to right thinking, you will be unaffected by the lack of self-mastery of others. You will continue to hold strong to your truth and inevitably those around you will reflect that truth as well. And even if it's just the one other person in your home or the one person that you encounter on a regular basis, it will help tilt the scales. It will help us all level up, beloved. And isn't that partly the point? Beloved, when you are having a hard time, so are other people. Sometimes things line up just right and someone that you love is right there for you to lean on. Sometimes they're not. And people tend to get super upset about this. But I'm going to tell you what, we can't. I mean, we can. <laughs> Do whatever you want. Okay? But, beloved, how selfish are we when we assume that just because we're having a hard time, the people around us should not be having a hard time. It's not fair. We cannot make that assumption. If we're having a hard time, chances are they are too. We live in very close proximity, experiencing very much of the same things. We can reach out. We can hope for that extra love and affection. We can hope that we will get the support that we need. But ultimately, all of that validation is internal. And we got to ask ourselves, is it physical 
Am I hungry? Am I thirsty? Am I tired? Am I hormonal? Did I drink too much coffee? Is it control? What? Who am I trying to control? Or why am I assuming they're trying to control me? Or am I letting them control me because I can stop? Or is it the last one? Am I being insecure? That one we can solve, beloved. Because I tell you right now, you are the universe experiencing itself. You are the universe pressed forward as you. You wouldn't exist if you weren't worthy. Hold that in your heart. Hold that in your mind. Until next time, beloved. Namaste.